We are in a series where we are talking about helping the willing find the way, and we're looking at um, some conversion experiences, some uh, situations there that are in the book of Acts. Uh, by the way, today we are going to be in Acts 10. If you want to go ahead and flip over to that and hold that, uh, help you to follow along. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing because you have the ability to read it for yourself, but we are going to read some significant sections in there. And um, there's something odd that comes in in Acts 10 down around verse 9. And um, it's a weird story. Peter is at the house of Simon the Tanner, and he is up on the roof. And what we read in Scripture, it says he fell into a trance. By the way, have you ever done that? Have you ever driven down the road for a long, long way, especially if it's like from your work to your house that you do all the time and all of a sudden you're in your driveway and you can't remember how you got there? Right? It's not unusual for us at times to be a little absent-minded thinking about something else. Well, he was hungry sitting up there on that roof and he has a vision of a sheet being lowered to the ground by its corners and it is full of animals and reptiles and birds. And then the strangest part of the vision happens. He hears a voice, calls his name. He hears a voice that says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, Peter, we know, is a fisherman. He's used to killing, catching, cleaning, and eating fish. So the idea of killing animals wouldn't be anything really a big surprise to him. Rather, it's the kind of animals that were there. These were the animals that the law the Old Testament, had declared unclean. And naturally, he objects. He's a good Jew. He would never eat anything that was unclean. That would make him ritually impure. That would be disobedience to God. But then he gets an even bigger surprise. He's told that God had made these things clean. So Peter's in a conundrum. He has to be wondering to himself, how how can I call them profane if God has declared them clean? Not only that, it didn't happen just once. It happened three times. Times. And then Peter is left pondering what it means. Now, I don't know Peter's mindset. I don't know how to think in Aramaic or Greek. But I can tell you if it were me, I'd be thinking, this is weird. This is odd. 
I doubt any of us have ever experienced anything like this, and Peter hadn't either. Something weird happens. What do we normally do? We just kind of brush it off, right? But what if it happened three times in a row? Certainly confusion would be there, right? As we search for some kind of meaning. But get this. Peter is not the only one having a vision. If you read up a little bit higher in the story there at chapter 10, verse 1, what we read is there's a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius who is a God-fearer, a a statement, a term that we see in Scripture that means someone who is not a Jew but fears the God of the Jews, worships the God of the Jews, and he is also having a vision. And it's not about animals. It's about some guy named Peter. In this case, the angel is telling him to send men to Joppa and to find this man, Peter, and have him come to talk to Cornelius. It's an amazing story, right? I know, I know most of y'all have heard this. You've, you've, you've read this over before. You may have even have talked about it in Sunday school. But just consider this for a while. When Cornelius' servants arrive there in Joppa, they're knocking on the door. Peter finds out they're there. He finds out why they're there. And all of a sudden... It's beginning to come clear to Peter what is going on. The Holy Spirit tells Peter to go with these men. And somewhere along the 36-mile walk, which would be a two-day walk, Peter began to realize this vision of unclean Animals has something to do with the prohibition of the Jews mixing with Gentiles. When he gets to Cornelius' house, he explains it to Cornelius there at verse 28. Peter says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So, when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. May I ask, why did you send for me? You see, Peter learned a very valuable lesson. Friends, God does not live inside of our box. He is not bound by what we think he ought to be. He is what he is. He is not a bigot. 
he is not racist. He's not sexist. When he looks at you, he looks at me, he looks at any human person he has ever created. What he sees is a soul that he created, that he loves, that Jesus died for, that he wants a relationship with. Our hang-ups are just that. They are ours. And I don't really think that we can grasp how radical this thing is for Peter. Think about your own mind. Think about your own situation. Think about our society. We have little appreciation for how huge this gulf was between the Jews and the Gentiles. Today, there are tensions between white and black, between Jews and Nazis. There's a growing disdain for Islam in our country. That pales in comparison to where the Jews were with the Gentiles in the time Peter was on earth. Part of the issue, if we're going to be honest, if we're going to be historical, part of the issue really stems from the sinful pride of the Jewish people who took their relationship with God all out of proportion They viewed themselves as God-chosen people, that they were special among men, that God had called Abraham to form a nation for himself, and because of that, he only cared for them and not for the rest of the people in the world. They are God's chosen. But friends, he did that for one specific reason. They were chosen to bring the blessing of God to all nations. As you read the entirety of the Old Testament, what you see is over and over again, they failed to reach out and introduce others to God. By the way, does that sound like anybody else's commission? Our God doesn't change. It's the same for us. The people of Israel were to be a light. They were to be an example to the Gentiles, a beacon in a dark world attracting other nations to God's rule. Because God's salvation was never meant to be an exclusive thing. It's meant to be for everyone. The invitation is for all people in all nations to join those who have already seen and made Jesus Lord of their life. Come into covenant with God through the blood of Christ. To come and join them under the lordship of God. And Peter, in these moments here in Acts some 2,000 years ago, 
got what we're still trying to learn. He got it. And he understood it. In fact, this is where he begins with his explanation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Down there at verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts everyone from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You may have noticed in your bulletin, that is the memory verse for today. But I want you to note, this is a contingent sentence, okay? It is not God's love alone that is the saving grace. It is a covenant responsibility. You notice it doesn't say God loves. He said those who fear, who respect, who honor, and then what? Do what is right. In other words, God's salvation is conditional on our attitude, our loyalty, and our actions. There are a lot of people today who want to make God's love his full saving grace. They want to say, God made you perfect the way you are. And there's nothing you can do that will ever separate you from God's love. And so, therefore, you don't have to worry about eternity because God's love wins. And he's just going to pull you in. God's love is a saving love. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches if you miss Jesus, you miss it. That's still a message that people here in Portage need to hear. We have the privilege of giving it to them. But you know what? That means we got to get uncomfortable. Cornelius and his family have as much right to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ as Peter or any of his friends. To hear that this is a gospel good news of grace. And anyone who fears and does what is right is acceptable to God. Mind you, we really can't stop there, can we? See, that's just simply Peter's opening statement we need to read on else we may jump to a wrong conclusion so let's keep reading verse 36 you know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling them good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all you know what has happened 
throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses to everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He, is, he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses who God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Do you hear what that's saying? It's not a spiritual phantom of Jesus that came to earth. His body perfected, different. It was a physical resurrection. Now, I know most of you fully understand that, okay? I'm with you. We're there. There's other people who don't. It's a key for some people to realize God raised a dead body. And what Peter reminds Cornelius and his friends and his family, all that gathered there to to hear them, is that God's peace is available through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. In fact, that's why he can bring peace. Because he's Lord of all. And when all mankind, all humans are under his rule, peace is the result. Peter reminds them that the power of the Holy Spirit was demonstrated through Jesus by doing good and by, and by healing. And then he assures them that he himself, Peter, was a witness to these things, even to the risen Christ. Here's where we get to the climax of his message. He says, he, meaning Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That word believe is the word pistis. It's the one we've talked about. It's faith. It's faith to the point of action. It's not just belief. It's what you do with that belief. And here Peter gives both sides of the gospel coin. That Jesus is Lord and he is also judge. That is an uncomfortable truth for our world today. 
want God who is all loving, don't want a God who's going to judge me. I'm just a salesman. I go by my sales manual. I can't change what scripture says. And if I'm uncomfortable with it, then I'm having to deal with my own stuff, yes? I just need to realize that God loves me enough to make me uncomfortable so that I can be with him. Everyone who has ever lived, is now living, or will live, will be judged by Jesus, whether they are Christians or not. That term, the living and the dead, do you see that that's all-encompassing? No one's exempt. But don't forget the good news. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness for sin in his name. Well, the result is a surprising thing in the rest of this account. We get to verse 44. We read this. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on them who heard the message. Are you hearing what happened here? Peter, raised Jewish, We're the ones with the right God. Everybody else isn't acceptable. All of a sudden, the Spirit, God himself, shows up on these unacceptable people. Would that be a little uncomfortable? But what's he doing? He's changing Peter's heart. I would hope he's changing our hearts. The Spirit doesn't just come, though. We have to note that the Holy Spirit comes on them in response to them hearing the Word. God has chosen to work through you and through me in order to change somebody else's eternity. He can do it by himself. He chooses not to. He wants you to experience his power and to watch what he can do when you are willing to just talk about the Lord. This is why we must keep emphasizing that sharing the gospel with people is what we're here for because the words matter the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and people need to hear it and faith needs to be at work 24 hours a day in us and through us mind you your words my words are not going to be clever it's the Holy Spirit who convicts who converts, and who fills. Not any wise, clever words that you or I may come up with. And we don't have to debate 
people into the kingdom. Because if we do our part and we talk about Christ, we give them truth. As we've been learning in Sunday school, we give them truth in a way that makes them think. And we get out of the way and we let the Holy Spirit do its job. We're going to be amazed by what happens. After seeing God's hand on this Gentile family, there at verse 47, Peter says, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that, what? He ordered that they be buried with Christ so they can be raised with Christ. That they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. It's a correct response to the understanding of the grace of God, isn't it? To come to him, to come into covenant with him on the terms that he has set, submitting ourselves to his lordship. Just two more things that I want you to notice about this passage. The, the first has to do with Cornelius. Cornelius is not at all different from people we come across today. He wasn't a Drew. He didn't grow up hearing about God, certainly didn't grow up hearing about Jesus. He wasn't a part of any dominant religion group in that region. In fact, he belonged to a group that called Jews atheists. You ever thought about that? That somebody who's polytheistic that says there's a whole bunch of other gods that they have an affront to you saying there's only one God? Again, it's not much different than the people we meet. Yet having said that, you realize that within Cornelius natural mind he had a deep longing for salvation there was something that was missing Paul tells us in Romans 1 that even if we don't speak nature screams of the existence of God Francis Schaeffer talked about the fact that in each of us there is a God-shaped hole that man always tries to fill. He'll try anything he can get his hands on to fill this hole that can only be filled by relationship with our Creator. Many people like Cornelius are aware of the lack in their life and they have a longing for that to be filled. And they're searching to fill that void. And you know how it can be filled. They need someone like you to tell them the same thing that Peter told Cornelius. And, and, and I want to encourage you to be ready for the opportunities to share the good news. But don't wait for a vision. Because friends, that's probably not going to happen. 
But you may well find out that God has been setting and will be setting up what I call divine appointments. Those are those times that when you are sensitive and you're paying attention, you're trying to see people the way Jesus sees them, that all of a sudden you'll realize someone has a longing and a need and the opportunity is there for you to breathe some life into them. Divine appointments. An opportunity to talk about your faith, uh, how God has moved in your life. To talk about having a faith community, a, a group around you that helps in tough times. To talk about lasting peace in a world that appears to be falling apart rather quickly. A spiritual freedom that helps us have an attitude that's focused on something else than the world around us. A lasting peace. A sense of purpose. Spiritual freedom. The second thing I want you to notice is this. We have just as much problem as Peter does getting out of our comfort zone. We have just as much difficulty as he would have had accepting change. And the older we get, the harder it is for us to accept change. And the harder it is to step outside of maybe what we grew up thinking that we realize is wrong and we need to think a different way. But we must find the motivation to do just that. Why? Because Jesus told us simply to go into the world and to preach the gospel And if that isn't enough, then we have an equally great motive right here in this passage. Verse 42, we already wrote it. Jesus is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. Do you believe that our friends and our neighbors are going to face the judgment of Christ. I wonder how seriously we take the implication of this statement. Or this statement. Mark 8:38. Mark 8, 28, 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Think about this statement of our Lord. Doesn't Jesus himself say that it is vital to our salvation 
that we speak about him? You should have seen by the title we were going to get uncomfortable. My Christian siblings, the Holy Spirit is with us and will open up people's hearts if we ask him to. Just like Peter with Cornelius, we might discover that when we are willing to step outside of our comfort zone, amazing things can happen. Father God, we thank you for the salvation that you give through the cross, and we thank you for the life that we have. We thank you, Father, that we can live above the things of this world. And we thank you, Father, that you just didn't save us to sit around and do nothing, but that you gave us the opportunity to be intimately involved with your truth, with your purpose. And you gave us your words that if we simply repeat them, we give them to other people, we view them the way you view every soul you have created that we have the privilege of changing somebody else's eternity. We have the privilege of turning an enemy into a friend. We have the privilege of having a larger family that knows no bounds on this earth. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the opportunities you give to speak it. In these moments, Lord, hear our prayers, hear our hearts. Discipline where it's appropriate. And encourage us to stay in the fight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.